right then it's time to talk farming and glad to be joined by Katrina Morrissey who is Deputy Editor at the Farmers Journal. Good morning to you Katrina. Good morning Fran. Good to talk to you today. That dispute between the knackeries and the renderers, that's continuing on. What's what's happening there Katrina? Yeah, so um, I suppose a worrying one for farmers because um, while this time of the year, winter months is relatively busy, we're looking at the springtime being a huge issue for animal collections from farms because, um, you know, spring is the time of calving, it's the time of lambing and it is inevitably, you know, there is mortality at birth and and shortly after in the in the life cycle. So that's that's very worrying for farmers in the in the short to medium term. What is happening, Fran, is that uh, animal collectors are the knackery operators. They dispose of um, animal carcasses. So they mm. do two things. Number one, they collect dead animals from farms because farmers are not yes. allowed to keep dead animals on the land. They are not allowed to bury them unless they have a special licence. So they must dispose of them in a responsible way. That's where the animal collectors at knackery operators come in. They collect dead animals from farms every day of the week and, and seven days a week most of the time. They bring them to their premises. They do two things. Number one, they do BSE testing and they do scrapie testing um, of the animals. And that is as part of the Department of Agriculture Disease Surveillance Programme. So that's a very important job mm. that they do. And then they also dispose of the carcass. So what they do then is the the carcass remains will move from the uh, knackery operators to rendering plants where they're rendered. Um, and that's a fallback to years ago. There would have been uh, some of the carcass might have been used in meat and bone meal. That's yes. obviously banned now. So every part of an animal, unless it is suitable for feeding to dogs, which some premises have a license for, otherwise it goes to the renderers. The renderers, of which there's only a limited number in the country, have increased their prices for rendering by a lot. In some cases, we're told, knackery operators have been told that their um, charges have been increased by 60%. Wow. Yeah. So the knackery operators have faced a 60% increase in disposing of the material. They're saying it makes their business completely unviable. They're saying they will have to pass it back to farmers unless the Department of Agriculture can come in and help in some way. Now, the Department of Agriculture already provides a subsidy to the animal collectors, um, so they cover some of the cost. Mm. So the cost of the collection service um, is covered by the combination of farmers' payments to the knackery operators and the Department of Agriculture subsidy. So that's where we are. The Department of Agriculture, and uh, the Minister has said that he's not intervening because it is a dispute between the renterers and the knackery operators. He is saying that knackeries can deliver their fallen animals to Northern Ireland for rendering, which, in my personal opinion, is absolutely farcical when you're talking to an knackery operator in South Tipperary or deepest West Cork. Um, How much would it cost to put a lorry on the road to Northern Ireland? And then he's also told farmers to apply for burial licences in the event that they're told that a collector won't take the animal from their farm. that too is a little bit on the farcical side, in my opinion, because um, burial licences are extremely hard to get. Um, you know, it's it's not something that the Department of Agriculture gives out very and often. And Katrina, what is driving the huge increase where the renderers are concerned? What, what's driving that? So we have been unable to get information from the rendering plants, um, Fred. Right. Yeah. They are staying stum. They're not um, responding to any contacts from the Farmers' Journal and they don't really want to tell anybody what uh, the reason behind it. I would guess it's, 
you know, strongly related to energy costs mm, because yes, rendering yeah. involves heat and therefore will have high energy costs. But they have not come out, um, despite numerous attempts to contact them, we haven't been able to get information directly from the renderers themselves. I got interesting. So that will continue on, I would imagine. We have a brand new uh, IFA president, uh, Katrina. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no longer someone from the Premier yeah, County. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tim Cullinan term officially ends in January and this week uh, Leash farmer Francie Gorman was elected. Um, he took nearly 17,000 votes and his, uh, his rival Martin Stapleton, who's a Limerick man, in fact just over the border from Tipperary in Limerick, he got about 13,000 votes. Um, so Francie Gorman is a, a beef, sheep and tillage farmer um, he campaigned strongly, I suppose, on on and in fact, both men did campaign strongly on the fact that they were going to defend and represent farming um, on the national and European stage. Mm. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see how Francie goes about that. He will officially be in office in January, as I say. And very interestingly, his um, deputy president, president, for the first time ever, is going to be a woman. Well done. Um, Wexford, uh, she is uh, Alice Doyle, and mm-hmm. again, very capable, as all of the candidates were. Um, Alice put, uh, she gathered, what did she get? 16,500 votes compared to Galway's Pat Murphy, who was 13,000 votes. So, you know, there was. Mm. It was a very good competition, actually, for both um, both positions. And the IFA changed its election strategy this time to include yes. postal votes. Mm. And that was a huge success for them in terms of engagement with farmers. There was a lot more votes. I think it's about plus 20, 30%. Um, and moved away from the only place you could vote being at your local branch AGM. You could still do that, but you also had the option of postal votes. So Francie Gorman and Alice Doyle, as I say, will take up office in January, and um, it'll be interesting to see what way they take the organisation. It'll be very interesting indeed. I suppose it's no surprise, Katrina, that thousands are to miss out on Acres Places. No, no surprise in the sense of we've been flagging this, that the budget wasn't increased, that there was you know, huge uptake of the original allocation. Um, the, the entire capacity from day one was said to be 50,000 farmers and under the first tranche, 46,000 of those places were taken up. Um, so we believe that there are 10,000 farmers now have applied uh, up to, I think, the er- the start of this week for just 4,000 places. So it doesn't look like there's going Mm. to be any leeway to allow more farmers in. So that means you're looking at 6,000 disappointed farmers. But is the Minister saying that uh, in the future that uh, the scheme's capacity could could be expanded in some way? He said, and there's nuance in what he said, I think he would endorse expanding the scheme's capacity in the future. So um, right. that's that's not surprising. I mean, we're, we're hearing every day, I suppose, that farmers need to do more for the environment. This is a scheme where they can do more for the environment. It is an, agri- an agri-environment scheme. Farmers are putting up their hands in droves to go into it. And unfortunately, there are not enough places. So... It's not surprising that Charlie McConnell will be um, pushing for more um, budget for that. And you would hope that the government would be in favour of giving more funding to it, you know, in in the yeah. in the context of them looking for farmers to, to take more environmental action 
here they are putting their hands up. It will be very difficult for them not to apply more budget. But when that will be is the question. That'll be interesting. Uh, finally, can I ask you about that uh, farmers reeling over the VAT uh, rules interpretation? Because I heard Matthew McGrath speak about this in the Doyle, I think it was yesterday, Katrina. Yeah, farmers very, very frustrated at this. So um, the farmers tend to do their maths on farm investments. So, for example, whether it's building work or whether it's slurry tanks or, you know, new new mm. um, slurry scrapers or whatever, they look at two things. They look at the, the total overall cost, what it'll cost, cost to buy or build the item from scratch. They look at what grant aid might be available, and there is good grant aid in the, in the TAMS grants. And the other thing they look at is how much of the VAT that they might be able to claim back, because both the TAMS grant and the VAT would be taken off the total outlay. Overnight, it seems, revenue has changed its position on what equipment farmers can reclaim VAT on. And whereas up to two weeks ago, farmers have been able to claim the VAT back on uh, bulk tanks, meal bins, automatic casks, uh, feeders, slurry scrapers and things like that, revenue have now said that they have changed their interpretation of the rules and that they will no longer be um, allowing farmers to claim that VAT back. That's a direct cost to the farmer who has already bought the equipment. Um, And and was there any indication that this was going to happen, Katrina? No, it seems to have been literally overnight from what we're hearing from farmers. Some people got approved for a VAT reclaim on on a Monday, and by the following Monday, they were being told no, they were being refused it. So, you know, a very, very difficult one for anybody. And, you know, these items are expensive. So if you've already factored it in and now suddenly the cost is, you know, 20% higher or whatever it might be, um, that's that's coming straight out of someone's pocket just before Christmas. You know, I, I would say it's a very unfair move. If there had been a lead-in, farmers might have had some control over whether they would make a decision not to buy the item or maybe they would have decided, yeah, OK, but I'll need to borrow more to do it. Um, so, yeah, I think this one is going to um, run for another while because it does seem to have been an extremely sudden decision to change an interpretation because the rule doesn't appear to have changed, but the interpretation of the rule appears to have changed. For sure. On revenues part. Could, could I finally ask you about something we've been discussing this morning, Katrina, just outside of uh, what's happening in the journal, the culling of deer. Um, that will take place as recommended in that uh, new report and a lot of information coming into us. I mean, I'm not completely uh, across it. All I come across are deer heading across the road when I'm driving, which is very dangerous. But how will farmers feel about that, do you think? Um, I think farmers who are affected by deer will be welcoming it very much um, because we've spoken to farmers in the Farmers' Journal who have had their silage crops eaten, yeah who've had um, fencing destroyed and, you know, etc. They're quite destructive animals. Um, I suppose in the wider debate, it's very interesting that it's not just farmers have said the deer are a really big problem, that the the population size of the deer, sorry, it's not deer in themselves. Mm, It is the size of the population. The fact that the population is so big that they have moved from um, areas, for example, on the Knockmeal Downs that I'm looking out at, um, they have moved from the woods down onto the the farms at the foothills and further out. You know, we've had deer in barley here, um, out in the open. I had deer on the lawn here uh, last spring. Um, Places where you would never see deer. That's an indication that they are not getting enough food where they would have traditionally stayed undercover in trees, you know, in woodlands. Now they're coming out into the open to look for, for feed. 
it means that the population is growing. It means that the population is being forced out from where it would be. Um, but interestingly, that's not just a problem for farmers because, as you said, car um, drivers, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the wood road in Clonmel as an example has always been an example. But now you have deer crossing roads and causing damage and potentially accidents, potentially serious accidents weekly. I think we had Jackie Cahill um, hit a deer there a couple of months yeah. ago, didn't he? Yeah, and he did told serious us about damage. That the program. Yeah. 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 And um, and also the environmental uh, lobby groups and environmental um, concerns mm. are saying that it is not good for the deer population to be this big either because they are causing damage to new tree plantations. Yeah. Um, they are, you know, there is no kind of natural predator for deer. So it is a population that has gone beyond where it should be. Um, so it, there's kind of a united feeling that something has to be done. Um, mm. And it'll be very interesting, I think, to see what... And it is, as far as I know, being targeted at hotspot counties in Tipperary is one is, of them. Is included, yes. Yeah, yeah West Waterford is yeah. another area, real hotspot for deer. Um, and it it is mm. just a situation that it has to be managed. It has got to such a point that it's causing problems for a lot of different cohorts, a lot of different areas from biodiversity. The other thing as well is a bit like sheep, deer really affect the biodiversity of plants, you know, because they, they will they will mm. strip a place, they will strip bark from trees and they will strip different plants and things. So it's a problem the environmental um, groups will say for biodiversity as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I was speaking to an ecologist earlier on, Katrina, a guy called Porrick Fogarty, but controversially, I mean, you mentioned no natural predators, but controversially he was speaking about the notion of reintroducing uh, predators. Um, but I'd imagine Farmers mightn't be happy with that either when you're talking about wolves possibly or lynx or something like that. You know, Wolves, lynx, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know too many farmers that would welcome it, but is it a little bit pie in the sky? Um, yeah. You know, to, to do that would mean that, and, and not only farmers, you know, would you be uh, cautious of the other implications on other animals? Mm. Um, you know, yeah. the likes of lamb, and you know, they're, they're obvious predators for that type of animal, but I don't know too many people that would, would be hugely interested in living next door to a lynx or a wolf that has been released on the Knockmill Towns. We'll see, we'll, 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 we'll see we'll what happens. We'll see what happens. Katrina, lovely to talk to you as always. Thanks very much indeed. Thank, Thank you. you Thank you. Bye bye. Now that's Katrina Morrissey there. And of course, Katrina is deputy editor of the Farmers Journal, and the journal is on your shelves uh, right now. Uh, Fran, will you give a shout out to a fantastic concert called Christmas in Carrig uh, with the Tune for Life Orchestra and its Carrig Church Choir on Saturday the 16th. That's Saturday coming at half past seven. And uh, that's Carrig Church, Ballycommon. And that's in from Donal uh, this morning as well. And we wish you well where that is concerned. Um, another listener on to us to say on a recent, uh, or indeed a recent few trips to different parts of Dublin's suburbs, I observed at about 10 a.m. most houses had fires burning. Uh, two or more cars parked outside as well. The residences, uh, they have gas at their doorsteps. They have buses close by as well. Should they not be punished for unnecessary emissions? This is one of our listeners. And, uh, yeah, lots more coming into us as well. And what I'll do is I'll package it all together and bring it to you tomorrow. But I'm going to leave you with one uh, from Barry because we're talking about that notion of culling uh, deer. Um, 
and he says, I have a gun licence. Uh, now, it's not a deer licence and I won't shoot them with what I have, but lots of the poor deer uh, seem to have spears and arrows stuck in them due to certain groups of people who can't get a gun licence um, as there is a black market for venison. So there you go. Isn't that interesting as well? All right, I'm sure it's something we will come back to. That's it for me. Emma produced, Ali looks after our content. Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.